Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up if you would like to, to Philippians chapter 3. In these concluding verses of this third chapter of Philippians, which is a book that has that highlights joy, Paul um, takes a moment and kind of takes a serious tone, but like I said, it's only for a moment because he, he needs to remind his readers of something that he has learned through his own personal experience. The path before us is not only littered with numerous pitfalls that can slow us down or distract us and even rob us of joy. But there are also spiritual predators out there whom Paul refers to in this passage as enemies of the cross of Christ. They sometimes look like us. Often they appear to be traveling along the same path that we are on in light of this very real Opposing threat, Paul instructs the Philippians, and so obviously, therefore, us as well, on how to continue to press on by providing some marching orders for us, um, marching orders that prove to be very, very necessary and good for us. And, and the, the instruction is, after all, coming from a veteran missionary who has experienced a battle or two. In his life, the Apostle Paul. How many times have we heard parents tell their children, maybe when you were a kid, your parent says something along these lines, and you know what it is, right? Don't do as I do, <laughs> do as I say. <laughs> Unfortunately, we hear the same kind of and type of conversation take place in the church. It's been said that the clearest sermon spoken is spoken by our actions. Your life is a sermon. Whether you want to like that or not or accept that or not, it's just a fact. Your life is a sermon. What kind of example are you setting then, right? Are you someone who would be considered a good example? Well, let's pick it up at verse 17 because... Being an example is what Paul is going to be talking about here in this passage as we finish up chapter 3. Verse 17, he says, Join together in following my example, Paul says, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Obviously, the contrast is already being made Follow our example as we follow Christ's example rather than those who are pushing false doctrine and living incorrectly, so on and so forth. So in other words, hang with me now because at first you're going you're gonna to want to do, it's going to be one of those head-nodder things. Paul is encouraging us to get in with the in crowd. You're saying, well, now wait a minute. I grew up thinking and being told that the in-crowd was not what I wanted to be in. <laughs> but in this case, you do. Why? Because, and I started having a lot of fun with this, 
and my mind just kind of took off, and I'm going to not bore you with all of that or bother you with all that, but just a little bit, all right? You could say it, he's saying, be in the in crowd. Who's in the in crowd? Well, first of all, let me tell you who it isn't, all right? It is not those who think they've got it all together. It is not those who think that they are better than everyone else, the cliquish group, right? It's not who the in crowd is, as we have been led to believe our entire lives, and there is that part of it, of course, but it is everyone, and this is where I started having some fun, Again, I'll limit it. Everyone who thinks that and acts like the Apostle Paul. It's those who are, are you ready? Who are in to Jesus. <laughs> it's those who are in to Christ as Paul was in to Christ. He told us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, that as believers, we are hidden in Christ. Okay, are you with me? So it's who are you going to be influenced by? And what kind of influence are you being? What crowd are you a part of? The biblical in crowd or this worldly in crowd? Notice he didn't say people who are popular, who are perfect, because he's already told us that nobody arrives this side of heaven, right? Paul appeals to his readers to follow his example. Some were already following that example, and so he's saying, don't only just follow me, but keep your eyes on anyone who is following the steps of Jesus. They had a choice, and so Paul is encouraging them to choose wisely. Who are you going to allow to be your influence? What kind of influence will you yourself be? Now, let me ask you a question. What kind of people do you surround yourself with? Who do you listen to? Who influences the way that you think or talk or act? We are being encouraged here to establish a circle of good, positive, biblical, Christ-like influence, people who inspire you to live according to the pattern of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Amen. This can include friends, authors, those who might be a part of your Bible study group, anyone who can help you stay focused on moving in the right direction, the Christ-like direction. Proverbs 13, 20 tells us, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. There is a great benefit that comes with this. For example, there will be times because of perhaps, as an example, an extremely complex, complicated situation you might find yourself in, and you don't know which way to go. You don't know what to think, what to do. You don't know what Jesus would do. But because you have good influencers in your life, because you've included yourself into that kind of in-crowd as we've been talking about it, because you've surrounded yourself with some people who, because of their experience and their maturity in the Lord, may know, may be able to help you and direct you in that right direction. It's good to have that in our lives. Amen? If you want to maintain your joy... Get with the in crowd and make sure that you are being influenced by those who are a godly influence. 
those who are living according to the pattern of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just make sure we understand here. This is not saying to us, this is not, does not mean that we cannot at all hang out with those who don't know Jesus. I mean, that's pretty kind of, should be pretty understandable, right? Plain to see and clear. Because if we don't hang out with them sometimes, how will they ever be influenced to come to know Jesus? Amen? Amen. Now, I think obviously the reason I even mention it is because obviously they're not going to be your tight, tight best buddies. They're they're not going to be who you spend most of your time with. Amen? And we understand that. If you... We just need to know that this is where we can be where of some good to someone else. It's where we can bring the gospel message of Jesus Christ to those who need it. <laughs> it's where we can be influencers for him and for good and for Christ-likeness. You and I become an example of love by loving people. Wouldn't that be true? People learn to love others by the way they are loved or how they see love in action. I really like the story that happened on a Sunday morning in 1865. Just the other day, right? A black man had entered a well-to-do church in Richmond, Virginia. And when communion was served... He walked down this aisle, the aisle, and knelt down at the altar to partake of communion. The resentment in the air within that congregation was so thick you could have cut it with a knife. <laughs> Their thoughts, how dare he? After all, believers in that church used the common cup. Suddenly, a distinguished gentleman stood up stepped forward and went down to the altar and knelt right beside that black man to partake of communion with him. The distinguished gentleman, Robert E. Lee. He was setting the example. And when he had done that, you know what happened? The rest of the congregation soon followed his lead and his example. Church, we are to be examples in conversation, in conduct, in our charity, in our compassion, in our confidence in the Lord and consecration to Jesus Christ. We are to be an example. Now, as far as Paul is concerned here in this verse, this this is not about his egotism. This isn't Paul directing all attention to himself and saying, hey, it's all about me, keep your eyes on me, do what I do kind of thing. That is not the case at all. Paul always focused on Jesus. And he always urged the believers to also follow the example of others who followed Christ. Instead, as Paul focused his life on being like Jesus, so should they, is what he's saying. Do you remember what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Keep in mind now, and this is, I think, important for us to keep in mind. 
Philippians was written around A.D. 61, which means that the Gospels, the New Testament, was probably not yet in circulation. Meaning that Paul couldn't tell someone who might have been struggling, okay, you go home, grab your New Testament and start reading and see what Jesus would do. Couldn't do that. So just by practicality, at this point in time, as he writes this letter, he's saying, follow my example. Watch how I conduct my life. It's just, again, practical guide for conduct for all others. That Paul could tell people to follow his example is a testimony to his character. Molded after the character of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? What kind of follower would a new Christian become if he or she imitated you? Years ago, the communist government in China commissioned an author to write a biography of Hudson Taylor. If you don't know who that is, he's a well-known missionary, pace-setting missionary back in the day to China. They hired an author to write a biography about him with the purpose of distorting the facts and presenting him in bad light. Remember now, this is communist China doing this. They wanted to discredit the name of this consecrated missionary of the gospel of Jesus. And as the author was starting to begin to do his research, he was increasingly (laughs) impressed by Taylor's character and godly life. And he found it extremely difficult to carry out his assigned task with a clear conscience. Eventually, at the risk of losing his own life, he put down his pen, renounced his atheism, and received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. Whether we realize it or not, church, our example of dedication And godliness leaves an impression on others. And if you're tracking with me this morning, your mind already off went to the other side of that coin. Our lack of good example leaves an impression as well. Amen? We are being encouraged here to be be good examples because following good, genuine, Christ-like examples is a good thing. The only warning that would come is is to not, you know, idolize them. Don't put them on pedestals. And besides that, if someone really is living a Christ-like life, that's the last thing they want to happen anyway, right? Last thing. So choose your spiritual examples carefully. Study their lives And follow only those who truly sought or who are currently seeking to be like Jesus. Part of that, you notice, was kind of in the past tense. Maybe those who have already come and gone are now in the presence of the Lord but lived good golly lives. And they've left left volumes of books with us. I I like personally to read. Um, I heard it referred to this way, and I've even said it myself, it's I love reading the biographies and stories and the commentaries left us by good old dead guys. 
And so as Paul continues, he provides us with a vivid example of what he has just said and why it is so important. Look at verse 18 and 19 with me now. He says, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Paul is again reminding us we live amongst enemies of the cross of Christ. Who are the enemies of the cross? Well, Paul describes them. We've just read who they are, given us a pretty good description. They're the opponents of the faith. Their negative characteristics were so destructive that Paul lets us know that he's emotionally moved in his heart, that it brings him to tears when he begins to imagine and see their destructive actions taking place in the hearts and in the lives of those who at one time were buying into the truth, who were a part of the biblical in-crowd and now are being persuaded and negatively influenced to be a part of this bad in-crowd belonging to the world. And it brings him to a place of tears. And so by contrast here, once again, they give us, these people who are enemies of the cross, give us an idea of the kind of positive examples we need to be and we need to have in our own lives. Why? To counter the numerous predators of evil who are out there. And I don't think I have to tell you there is no shortage of them. The Christ way is the cross way. A sacrificial way. The enemy's way is a pride way, a self-achievement way. And it never, ever leads to selfless humility or sacrificial living. Where, as we have said over the weeks, is where true, lasting joy is found. The enemy's way or philosophy of life has a different focus, a different goal, and a different result. Paul tells us, destined for Destruction, eternal hopelessness, driven by sensual appetites and dedicated to material things. These men and women who have rejected Christ's person and his work, the work of salvation, the work of redemption on the cross, rejecting that are lost, wandering people. Not the kind you want influencing your life. Amen? In Paul's day, there was actually a term used to describe this kind of person. The term was antinomians. That's what a term was used to describe that kind of person, antinomians, which meant, that term meant, someone who was against the law. And in this case and in this context, it's being used to describe those who are not only against the law of God from the Old Testament, they're against any rule any law. 
They wanted to live in complete freedom. Any restraints on their physical desires, not wanted. These people were in the, if it feels good, do it type of crowd. We encounter them every day, even still, don't we? However, please understand, and, and this is important as well for us. Please understand, these folks, even though as I have just right now made that statement, there was a possibility that someone may have floated across your mind. And when that happened, you did not have warm, fuzzy feelings about them. But here's what needs to happen. You see, these folks do not need our condemnation. They do not need our judgment. Nor do they need our agreement or our affirming them either. What they need is to be reconciled to Christ Jesus. Becoming allies of His, no longer His enemy. Amen? As we travel along on our faith journey following the good examples of godliness, we can't forget why God has placed us in a world amongst the lost. They're all around us. We work with them, live next door to them, and maybe even have a few in our own families. Our mission is to call them to believe in the one that they have rejected, to submit to his kingdom and to enter with us into a heavenly citizenship, which is where Paul goes next in the next couple of verses. Look at verses 20 and 21 with me. But our citizenship is in America. Uh-uh. Where is it? Heaven. Heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies <laughs> so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven. Keep in mind in Philippi, they were a Roman colony, so they took serious their Roman citizenship. And so that means that they would have lived according to Roman law and rule because they did not want to lose the favor of Rome. Right? So that, that would have made, been very clear to the Philippian individual as they either are reading and hearing this for the very first time. He needed to warn the Philippians... This is what he has done, and now he quickly comes back to, contra to contrast the enemy's way back to the Christ way, back to being quickly turned again to the positive and reminding us and taking us back to this truth. Our future hope as heaven-bound citizens of Christ's kingdom. Oh, what a hope. Amen? Yes. And that's where he now takes us. Remember the lost, he has said here, set their minds on earthly things. But as believers, we're to set our minds on what? Things above. We do this by always looking forward, upward, eagerly awaiting the coming of Christ Jesus. How many of you 
are truly, genuinely looking forward to it, excited about being in His presence forever. Not on a vacation, not just for a weekend, forever. Wow. I think it's interesting to note something here, and I, I thought this was pretty fascinating. In verse 20, the King James Version reads like this, for our conversation is in heaven. While newer translations use the word lifestyle or commonwealth or has the NIV, citizenship. The word in the Greek actually is a word which denotes a colony of foreigners. Oh, wow. <laughs> in other words, a person's citizenship, be it English or Spanish or French or Australian, can be readily identified through their conversation, right? Yeah. yeah. The moment you hear them speak, you know you got a pretty good idea where they're from. The same is true spiritually. Think about it. The Bible declares that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? What is your conversation? What is your lifestyle? What is your citizenship? It is, is it the language of the street, the language of our culture, or is it Christ-like? Is it heavenly-like? Know this. You can know this and take it to the bank. Whatever it is, it will be discovered and come out in the heat of battle. In other words, when the pressure is on, who you are, what you are, will be being known because of what comes out of here. In Judges chapter 12, there's a really great example of this for us. After civil war had broken out between the men from Gilead, which is a part of the tribe of Gad, and they had gotten into it with the men from the tribe of Ephraim, Jephthah, the leader of the Gileadites, ordered his men to seal off the passes so that the Ephraimites couldn't get away. In other words, some quick background. Jephthah is uh, going to lead a battle against some other group of people, and the Ephraimites got jealous because he didn't ask them to help him. He didn't need their help, but they got upset about it, and so they picked a fight with the Gileadites because they're upset and jealous. Are you with me? And so... You know, Jeff, that's not something that he was looking for, but it happened. They get into this little skirmish, and the Gileadites seriously beat up on the Ephraimites. Just real quickly, that day, 42,000 Ephraimites, the Bible tells us, lost their lives because of their stupidity, pride, and arrogance. Background. Let's get back to the, the illustration. And so after that battle had taken place, and it's a great slaughter, Jephthah tells his men to go cut off the passes so that no Ephraimite can sneak away. And his men say to him, well, how will we know who they are? Because they're our brothers, the Bible says. They, they look like us. They dress like us. 
And Jephthah tells them, just have them say the word shibboleth. You see, the Ephraimites could not pronounce the S-H sound. He says, just have them say the word shibboleth. It meant river or flowing stream. But the Ephraimite couldn't say shibboleth. And so when they were asked to say that word, it would come out shibboleth. Therefore, betraying themselves (laughs) by their conversation. Wow. Does that speak or what? The same holds true for you and me. In the heat of battle, how do we talk? When the accountant says you're bankrupt, when the doctor says it's cancer, when the spouse says goodbye. How do we respond? How do we talk? Our speech, our conversation will reveal whether we're men and women who live for the material, the temporal, the earthly, or whether we are those who live for heaven, for Jesus, for where our citizenship truly is. Earthly goals and self-centered desires fade rather quickly in terms of importance. Would you agree? Mature, godly believers live in anticipation of His return, not in participation of this world. Believers know the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back from heaven. He will fully establish the kingdom of heaven where we have citizenship. Therefore, while we wait, we are to prioritize our lives in order to participate in kingdom activities instead of being caught up with the worldly stuff. Throughout Paul's letter to the Philippians, there is a focus on the Lord as the source of our ability to stand firm with confidence and with true lasting joy. However, what we also need to understand, apply, and live out, church, we must never confuse standing firm with standing still. A lot of things in this messed up world can cause us to stall out. God didn't put us here to huddle up in a corner or to go hide out in a cave or to become silent secret agents (laughs) of the cross. He has called us to make a difference where we are, to be insulated from the wickedness by all means, of course, but never, ever isolated from those who need to come to Jesus Christ, who are all around us. I remember a year or so ago, maybe it's been a little bit longer, I don't know, people were debating over who the greatest basketball player was 
Michael Jordan or LeBron James, our culture is so messed up and confused. You see, in heaven, people are not going to be discussing <laughs> Michael Jordan or LeBron James. They could care less about that conversation. You know who they're going to be talking about? They're going to be talking about people like Pearl Good. You're saying, yeah, who's Pearl Good? <laughs> well, let me tell you, Pearl Good, up in years, maybe not quite elderly, knocking on the door of elderly, cleaned houses to make enough money to be able to travel wherever Billy Graham was going to be speaking. When she got to that city, she'd rent a very cheap motel and unknown to Billy Graham would pray around the clock for that crusade. That's who Pearl Good is. If you want a trading card that's going to be worth something in heaven, forget about Michael Jordan. Forget about LeBron James. You get Pearl Goods <laughs> and others who are like her. We're all mixed up. Our society is confused. Our values are wrong. Should we despair over this? I don't think so. You want to know why? Because everything is going to be made right with where our citizenship truly lies. In heaven. To the person complaining about cultural chaos, heaven is the answer. To the person who says life is unfair, heaven is the answer. To the pearl goods of the earth, heaven is the answer. Heaven will solve every problem, answer every question, and right every wrong. We're going to be there soon, folks. Sooner the better, right? That's where our citizenship is. And are you eagerly anticipating the coming of our Christ? Do you live today by the principles of your true heavenly home? With the enemies of the cross... Know that this world is not your home. Can they recognize you as different from them? Like Paul, Christians are to live in the future tense while in the present. Think about that one. We are to live in the future tense while in the present, anticipating the return of our Savior. As the accountant in verses 1 through 11, Paul discovered new values. As the athlete in verses 12 through 16, he displayed a new godly zeal. And now, as the foreigner, a citizen of another kingdom, he experiences a new vision. Paul says, we eagerly await a Savior. This anticipation of the coming Christ is to motivate the believer to get their self completely out of the way <laughs> so that Christ can truly come and be the Lord. He needs to be in control of our whole lives. There is a tremendous amount of energy in the present power of a future hope. Would you agree with that? 
Let me say that again. There is a tremendous amount of energy in the present power of a future hope. Because Abraham looked for a city. He was content to live in a tent. Because Moses looked for the rewards of heaven. He was willing to forsake the treasures of this earth. Because of the joy that was set before him, Jesus was willing to endure the cross. The fact that Jesus Christ is returning for the true in crowd, those who are hid in him, is a powerful motive, I believe, for dedicated living and devoted service, devoted service to him today. You on board with that? I pray and trust that you are. And will live your lives as such. Father, we come before you this morning and um, we come with thankful hearts, grateful hearts. That your word speaks to us in ways that meet us right where we are at. With words and principles and truth that we need to hear. It's amazing how every week that seems to happen. It's all because of you and your spirit and your desire for us to live in such a way that you have made possible because of your work on the cross. Not so that we can live for ourselves, not so that we'd be caught up with this world, but because we would put you first. No longer making it all about ourselves, making it all about you, Jesus. Anticipating your return and being found living for you, serving you with all that is within us when you show up. May that be the case for every single one of us in this room saying yes to you, Lord, and no to our own selfish desires and pleasures, desiring you more, loving you more, and this world less. This is our prayer. May it be so. For I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up.